We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the tweets, the retweets, and all the shares. I really appreciate it. Super awesome to see everyone enjoying the show. Now, on to my guest for today, Santi Biblioni. CEO and founder of Core, a project profitability solution for creative and professional services. Still in his 20s, Santi already had built a successful advertising agency in Argentina. When he started to think about how to help make service agencies like his be more profitable and be able to pay their employees more. Not one to give up after one no from 500 Startups, a startup accelerator in San Francisco. He went to work raising money and then actually moved to the Bay Area, where he finally got his yes at 500 Startups and started to build Core. Like any business with potential, Santi identified a problem that nobody has yet found solution to and went to work. Core harnesses the power of AI and machine learning to help service-based businesses track their hours more efficiently and be able to create better cost estimates. Since service-based businesses mostly provide human labor, estimating time is a hugely critical task. That is for sure. And it is super problematic. That is double for sure. By using AI to help with this process, Santi says service-based businesses will be better positioned to charge with more accuracy as well as better compensate their employees. Now, let's get better together. Santi Biblioni, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks well, for the invitation. Yeah, it's great to see you again. We were on a podcast together. It was like a roundtable thing. And um, it was so cool because we like randomly met on this podcast talking about stuff. Turns out 
you know, you were at 500 startups. I was at 500 startups with, you know, your company is called core. My, my company at 500 startups was lab sensor solutions. And it's just like, wow, we got to, you know what, we got to get on the phone and we got to get on the zoom and like, you know, talk about stuff because what you're doing at core just seems like so aligned to what we're doing here on the show and the entrepreneur ethos, what my ethos is about entrepreneurship, especially for professional and creative firms. And, you know, it was just such a great conversation. So we decided let's yeah, do we're a podcast. Very, very aligned. Very aligned. Yeah. Very aligned. Um, but before we totally. get into that and, and what you're doing at core, um, why don't you give us a little background and tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? All right. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of context, core is uh, the next generation solution, uh, project profitability solution for creative and, and professional teams. How we started with this, we we, we run a, 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 an advertising agency before, before starting core. And by, by, by running this agency, this, sorry, Jerry, uh, excuse me. Can, yeah. can, can we edit this afterwards or not? A I, little I bit. See, I mean, I, 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 I try not to edit it, but you're, you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> no, this will edit no, out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but the thing is, um, yeah, I said next generation solution, project profitability solution. So uh, I, I will take it from your answer. If we're going to edit this and I'm going to start answering the answer, the, the question again. Okay. Yeah. Let's just, let's just, let me just make a mark. Okay. So right. Mark go. So thank you, Jerry. And yeah, before, before starting that, I'm, I'll give the audience a little bit of context. Uh, Core is the next generation project profitability solution for creative and professional teams. And how we started with this uh, goes back a couple of years ago when we were running our own uh, e-commerce focused advertising agency. At that time, we were growing. We were growing fast. I mean, the agency was named Argentina's fastest, uh, one of Argentina's fastest e-commerce uh, agencies at that moment. Uh, and we were just 24, 25 years old. So the company was growing fast. We were uh, increasing our revenue, increasing our talent, uh, the people, different countries, everything. But I... I started to realize that salaries were not good. And it's not because of me and because managers itself or like uh, shareholders uh, within agencies are keeping the money for themselves. It's because the business model that agencies and other professional services firms have is broken. It's very difficult if you sell a fixed price project and then you have variable costs, that those costs are the hours of the people. So what happens if you sell a, a fee for a client and then this client starts requiring more and more changes? That is what happens every now and then. So how do you deliver a profitable project 
by also keeping the client engaged, by keeping the client happy. What I realized at that moment is that I, the, the only solution was to have my team and myself working long hours. I mean, we were working more than 10 hours a day and, and, and it was very difficult to increase salaries. And the reason why it was, increase, was difficult to increase salaries is because you cannot increase your costs if you don't increase your prices, right? If you don't renegotiate a thing with your client, you'll never get up, hire more people for the same clients. I mean, not if you win more clients, right? If you, if you keep that, those same clients, but you don't renegotiate fees with them, healthy fees, you will never hire more people and you'll never pay more salaries because you cannot increase your costs if you don't increase your prices. And I said to myself, I asked to myself, how, how are other agencies, how are consulting firms, how are software development shop, uh, shops and law firms, yeah, accountants, how are, how are these guys solving this? And I asked to myself, like, is this because we are down here, like in Argentina, and like probably the solution is out there in, in the US. So that's how we decided to, to move here to, to the Valley, to Silicon Valley in California and, and say, we need to solve this. So on the research we did, we understood that none of the firms, none of like any professional service firm have a solution to this. And don't get me wrong, we were using a lot of tools. We were using project management tools, task management tools, collaboration tools, but none of these tools have the, the PNL on it. And, and, and a very related and important thing uh, regarding project profitability is that people hate, like in professional services firms, 90% of your costs are your people hours. And yeah, so if, true. if you if you don't yeah, and if you don't get your people to track time, you'll never have an accurate uh, metric on what your costs are. So and people hate to log hours manually. They hate it. <laughs> no. Not just because really? Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean everyone hates it. And it's not just because it's a it's a tough like manual process or whatever. It's also because people feel controlled. Like, wh like why should I report my hours, right? So, I it was the problem was not just on the business model, it was also within the culture of the people. But we understood that solving this not just operationally. Like on a tool, on a, on a tech, on a tech solution, but also on a, on a cultural thing, on an educational thing. We understood that by solving these two aspects, we, we gotta have a, a pretty big solution and we will empower almost a billion people in this world that are today offering services. Billion. So a, B. a billion with a B. Yeah, billion, billion with a B. So, so we said to ourselves, like, man, this is huge. The market is enormous, and this is not 
about profitability. We are talking about the work-life balance of these people. This is this is this is going to have a, a huge impact. So that's when we decided to to move them to the valley, uh, and yeah, and start what 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 we all know today as as, as core, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and did you guys get into 500 startups like right away when you came out, or was it, did it take a little time? So the 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 honest the, the sincere uh, story is that I applied to 500 startups from Argentina, and and we 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 didn't get accepted. I mean, they refused to accept us. What? And, Clayton now, Clayton. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. <laughs> and I moved to and I moved to San Francisco, and then when I uh, one year later, I applied again. So oh. before it was with a, it was with an idea, like we didn't have an MVP, nothing. Right. right. Uh, so they said no. Uh, I started pitching uh, like the project in Argentina. We raised three hundred k, three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. And with that uh, small amount of money, I mean, small for what, what it takes to launch a company in Silicon Valley, uh, we moved, I mean, we left everything, family, friends, uh, everything. I, I mean, I was the CEO of my previous company. Uh, we sold a part of it, uh, so that was good, but uh, we moved to San Francisco and then I applied again uh, to 500 startups. And that's when we got in. I, I, I still remember being at 500 Startups offices and there were seven of them, like five live and two on a, on a video conference. Yeah. And I remember like, hey, Santi, you applied last year again. I, I mean, you applied last year. And, and we said, no, why are you guys applying again? And so, I mean, we're going to build a successful company with or without you. But I would love to have you guys involved. <laughs> so, in my opinion, I, I don't think is I I think these guys. Um, uh, I'm not sure if if they saw a huge potential, but at least they saw pe- crazy people <laughs> trying to like <laughs> that, like. Yeah, I mean, we moved from Argentina to San Francisco with 26 years old. Yeah, with 26 years, like no network, no nothing. I mean, we didn't have our parents or uncles or whatever to be our first investors or our our first clients. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. No one. So, I mean, and and we we took a lot of risks. So I think that's what 500 saw at first. Oh yeah, you were all in, right? Like they love that. Yeah, (laughs) they love the focus and they love the. I mean, it, you know, the word hubris, you know, is, you know, back in the day had been thrown around as something bad, but I mean, in, you know, the definition of it is a little bit more arrogant, but I mean, it takes some guts to move all the way from Argentina to San Francisco on an idea that you believe in that's commitment. Not a lot of people yeah. can do that. And when an investor sees that, they're like, well, even if these guys don't have a good idea, boy, do they've got some chutzpah to come here and be like, I'm going to make it in the valley. And this is the thing that's so cool, right? <laughs> you know, everyone says, oh, well, remote work, like we're going through this whole remote work and everything. 
which is great. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, wonderful. Going to really raise the level, especially with what you're doing at core with being able to manage this and be more efficient. We'll talk a little bit more about why that's so important for, for consultants and creatives and professionals. But there is still something magical about coming to Silicon Valley with a dream. And I just don't think you can replace that with a Zoom call. <laughs> I don't think you can. Um, and I think that'll always be the case, but there will always be a, you know, there's a new paradigm moving in work. And you mentioned that there's a billion people that could use your platform. Um, and yeah. that's pretty amazing considering there's what, six, seven billion people in the world. Yeah. Is it, yeah. I mean, do yeah. you see, do you see this bigger trend towards more freelance professional people just running their own little gig? I mean, some people might call it a side hustle. Some people might call it, you know, their main gig, but I'm just curious if, if you see more of a trend because it seems to me there's going to be some sort of some a little bit of a Renaissance in that. At least that's what I see. You refer to like remote work and all what the pandemia brought. I would say like being more like freelance creative agency type work, you know, uh, like you can be a single yeah, person yeah. agency as an example. Do you see more people doing yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. And a lot of our, our clients and core uh, that are professional services, they are including more and more uh, freelancers and like outsourced teams to their projects and uh, more and more. And yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, um, I wouldn't necessarily like combine or or align the remote work with gig economy. I mean, of course, there is a relationship. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I think that remote work came to stay, and it, you can still work on your company as we are all doing by working at home, right? So you can work remote and still work for that company. Then, of course, there is a trend. So, first of all, let's start with what, what a trend is. So, a trend is if, if there were in the world, I don't know, like 10 people doing something, and now there's 11 and then 12. So, there's a trend that is starting to go up, right? And for sure, this is going up. The reason, the thing is, like, your question is how fast, how, how, like, how big, um, uh, how far uh, are are these? Uh, is this gig economy gonna take uh, like the other over the other one? I mean, I'm not sure about that. Uh, what I can what, what I can what I can see is that remote work is, uh, is here for good, and and that more people are. Are, mo are, are moving to a gig economy, but that's not necessarily what the pandemia brought on, on my understanding. Yeah, no, no. I'm glad you clarified the, the difference between remote work and a gig or a side hustle or professional service or a creative firm. Because I, I like that distinction because it is 
critical to separate them. Although I do think it's interesting that the rem- the remote work, the acceptance of remote work, I think is going to grow the gig and creative economy. I think people are going to be like, oh, sure. I can hire one any, I can hire someone anywhere because I'm used to now working from Zoom or tools like yours, which organize these sort of things. Because I'm I'm assuming that even though it manages like the agency experience, my guess is clients also like it. Do, do you guys have a way to like share this with clients or is it just an internal tool for an agency? No, 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 for sure. And I'm glad that you are asking me uh, this, Jerry. Um, so yeah, today you have like Fortune 100 companies. Uh, there are local offices or local teams uh, from Saudi Mac from General Motors, from 3M, from McDonald's, from, I mean, from huge banks. Uh, there are a lot of people using it from different airlines. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, from brands, from our clients' clients using Core today. It's, a, it's an excellent solution if you are part of, a, for example, marketing team on General Motors or McDonald's. And, and you want to engage with the, like you want to be part of the creative team. Uh, what we're seeing is that, um, I mean, the, the creative process, right? Uh, what we are seeing is that agencies today are not just that outsource thing that uh, used to be. Of course, it's outsourcing, but they work. Hey, uh, we we lost the we lost your audio. Hey, Santi. more collaborative uh, world uh, and, and 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 when i understood about uh, what i understood about your question uh, on, on the gig economy yeah for sure you can hire people all around the world and you can say hey yeah we i, I can hire uh, for example at core we started this year being 30 people today we're 75 and yeah. We ha- yeah, we hire people in in Europe, in 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 Asia, like in Australia. Uh, we hire people like different, like we hire people in Boston, in San Diego, and most of these, uh, like a, a lot of these people, I didn't met them, and no one in the company met them yet, and I don't know when, like probably on the offside, like kickoff, uh, but I don't know when am I going to meet them personally. 
so yeah, if we understand the economy for that, uh, yes, but they are full-time uh, contributors uh, at core, right? They are full-time employees. They're on our payroll. With gig economy, I understand more like uh, someone that works for different companies, like more like, like a uh, one-person consulting firm, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, it is interesting that you brought up, you know, how like a big brand, big company will also use core to kind of handle some of their outsource creative or be part of the creative team. Um, because that usually does happen, especially I think you mentioned in marketing departments, PR departments, where you sometimes have to have in order to scale, or at least in order to kind of like have demand, you know, there's usually a peaky demand on this kind of stuff for all sorts of different things. Um, how it's just a real good way to sort of manage that relationship. And yeah, I mean, it is interesting, you know, how people now hire uh, without ever physically seeing them or talking to them or shaking their hand or being in the same room with them. Um, that must mean that it should be pretty critical to ensure that they're successful. Um, and I know, I know like what you're doing is a lot, of course, a lot focused on the agency making, of course, a profit. And, and, you know, you're right on, on that. A lot of times when I, when I talk with kind of solopreneurs and agencies about how much they should charge, for their services, it's just extremely eye-opening that no one does sort of this general math on like how to manage that. And obviously you guys are doing that at a very fine, fine detail with AI. How, how does this help like the actual person doing the work? Um, what, what are some of the advantages of that? Great. Um, yeah. Great question, Jerry. And so, <clears throat> Think people think that for being in the advertising industry, they need to be experts at advertising, and of course, that's true, but that's a part of it. I mean, you of course, you need your creative creatives director, and 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 that's key of like that's one of the most relevant uh, figures in, in the company, right? But at the same time, we need to understand that advertising is just. The, like the content that we put on a business model. The business model here, like advertising agencies are selling time. They're selling hours. Consulting firms are selling hours, like knowledge. Then what you put inside, you, you call it, like you name it. It might be advertising, it might be, it might be uh, consulting it might be uh, legal it might be accounting services like that's the content of, of 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 the business model that you're offering right so you gotta have experts on the content on like if you're an agency you have you gotta have if you're a creative agency you have you gotta have great creatives uh, but then you need an expert on how to sell time correctly uh, and 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 I and I'm what I'm seeing is that uh, in these last years uh, with Core is that most of these companies have like if you're a law firm you have great lawyers but you don't have uh, an expert on how to better manage time right and if you're a law firm uh, sorry if you're an agency you have great creatives but you not necessarily have uh, an expert on how to better manage time right. 
So yeah, I think it's important to understand that there's a business model and then there is like the content or the service that you provide within that business model that is time management, right? Um, and <clears throat> when it comes to AI, and I'm sorry, going to your question is like in this world of time management, you have two different like sub worlds. You have time spent, like the real time, like the time that the task, the amount of time that it really took to you to, to execute, the, the, the amount of time that really took to you to execute that task. And then you have the estimated time. That is the amount of time that a new task or the task is gonna take to you. And, and how do you estimate that? So how do you manage these two things? without AI. If you're gonna work on the real time, like the time that it took to you, uh, and you're gonna do that uh, without AI, first of all, the thing that we were mentioning before, people hate log hours, uh, both because it's a manual process and because it, it people feel controlled. So they hate to do that. But although you can, like people in some companies, they are, uh, like it's mandatory to to log hours. So if you're logging hours manually because your your managers are requiring it to you, you are uh, you have no precision, mostly because like probably you're logging hours on Friday or once a month. I mean, you you don't you wouldn't log hours in real time if you're doing that manually, right? So the precision, like the, the margin error that you will have on, on, on logging hours is huge. And if you have a, if a, if you have a huge margin error on, on logging hours, you have a huge margin error on understanding your costs. And if you have a huge margin error on understanding your costs, you have a huge problem on profitability. Oh yeah, right? the variability and pro um, profitability is would be crazy. I mean, that's some of the the challenges that I see with new like solopreneurs, new consultants, new, you know, people that are selling their um time for money, they always underestimate how long it'll take and never charge enough because a lot of it is, oh, you know, they have got this imposter syndrome like, oh, is it real am I really worth this much? Uh, but no. I think being able to sort of look at it from a objective point of view, um, without this friction. And I agree the friction of the, you know, logging hours and all that sort of stuff is, is a real thing. And it, and it can be a very cumbersome and it sounds like, you know, you guys have had a pretty good solution for this because if I, re if I recall, it sort of figures out what you're working on and then, you know, kind of ticks along the time. So you, you have a lot yeah. more, right. A lot more. Um, exactly. So, yeah, so precision. you have this sub world where, where, where you need to log hours and, and core do that on your behalf. Right. Uh, and it gives you precision. It's automatically. So people wouldn't need to. So financial or, yeah, like the, the, the administrative or, or financial uh, team on, on a company won't need to 
multiply the time spent with the hourly rate to, and subtract that from budget or fee approved to understand right. profitability. It's right. all done automatically with precision and in real time. So it gives you like immediacy to to renegotiate fees or to to outsource a project or reduce the the, 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 the like the scope of work I mean or or change collaborators you can put a more junior person or a more senior person or whatever like it gives you visibility to make decisions that you will impact in your profits and in your revenues if you renegotiate the fee and and this is not the whole thing I mean this is regarding time spent but right. then the other world is the estimated time. Right. And machine learning is key on that because people, I, Jerry, have you ever asked a person, um, hey, how do you send proposals to your client? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I have, this, ever, yeah, I have this problem <laughs> to send proposals all the time. And it's, it's a real, it's a real yeah. challenge to properly estimate things. And partly because the estimation is based on assumptions and assumptions are always, almost always false. Like they just never seems to work out the right way. Like something always goes bump in the night and then you're like, okay, great. Now, 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 now I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a different position because, oh, I can't really like, how am I going to update this? How am I going to prove quote unquote, right? That that's the thing that's always really st a struggle for me. Like, and I and that's partly the reason why my firm does retainer based stuff because what ends up happening is a lot of times the client will not will not really know what they want. They'll sort of know what they want, but there's a, this discovery phase which usually involves a lot of back and forth. And again, for other types of work like stuff like you know things that are a little more kind of, I don't know, time, like a little more defined. It, this isn't as big a deal, but for what I do, it's, it's a big deal because usually the discovery process takes time and yeah, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you need until you discover what you need. And so that's always a challenge. And it's, it's interesting that you're sort of having this, I, I like this idea of like using artificial intelligence to kind of do the heavy lifting to make sure like, oh, I'm tracking these things I, I, because over time, you'll just get better at it, right? I think that's the, that's the beautiful thing, right? It's the machines working in the background to figure out, well, what am I going to optimize, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's like when you have more and more people on, in your company right. and, and you need to send proposals on behalf of your team, I mean... You're sending, you're offering an, uh, a service to a new client, and you need to rely on what, like, how much time it will take to a person that has just entered to your company, a new yeah. designer or a yeah. new copywriter. Like, how much time do you know? Uh, how much time is going to take to to this new person to ex right. execute that task? Right. How, and are you are you considering? How demanding is that client? Is that client more demanding than the other client? In, in what percentage? How many reworks? How many changes do they ask for? So if you don't have all yeah. variabilities 
uh, at the moment of sending the proposal, uh, that's what we do at Core. I mean, Core is a solution that will uh, that that understands because it learns, like understands how much time it takes to a specific person. It's not that here at this company uh, at this agency it takes us uh, four hours to design a banner. No, I mean to 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 Mary, uh, it's for Mary it's four hours, but for John is. I don't know, like four hours and a half, and probably for for Linda it's uh, seven hours, right? Mm. So, uh, I mean, it's it depends on the person, it depends for on the client, it depends for whom, uh, and it depends, of course, on the type of service. Like, it's not you do, I mean, you can do smaller web designs, you you can you can do like bigger, more complex. I mean. You need to like if you're gonna do that personally, it will take you. Uh, first, it's impossible, but it will take you uh, a, a lot of time and a lot of manual efforts, and you wouldn't get it, and you you wouldn't get there. Right. Uh, so, uh, putting machine learning, uh, doing the the. the 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 boring stuff and uh, to be more precise it's key yeah you you let your team be more creative and 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 have core doing the the rest (laughs) right right no it's that's a very good point i mean this is this is such a fascinating thing it got me thinking about you know when like management of teams right and what's interesting about if you the, the best managers i've ever had the best leaders i've ever had are the ones that took away the monotony from the team. So the team could do get, you know, so the team could like create what they had to create. And so what I've, what is, what is interesting is what I found is that as if you've got a good leader that literally is like three steps ahead of the team and does all the, the grunt work, like, you know, fills the paperwork out for lack of a better word, that is sort of what you're kind of automate, right? You're, you're there, there is this, there are, is this overhead to doing business. It's always there. It always will be there. It will never go away because you have to propose things and bill things and deliver things. Like it's, it's this constant kind of struggle um, to keep on of it. And yeah. typically the, it's the manager, the supervisor that's in charge of the quote unquote paperwork. Um Yeah. And of course, managers and supervisors and leaders are also the vision and, you know, trying to move the, the thing forward. But, but I see, I see what you're trying to do and it's a fascinating way to, I don't know, systematize this kind of tracking of the mundane, like basically the TPS reports, yeah. you're basically automating the TPS reports. If you, everyone's in, yeah. ever heard of seeing that movie, but I'm curious do you think that this is going to be, I mean, I can see the benefit, but I mean, what, what, have you guys seen any downside to this or is it still too new or how, how, how does, how do you guys handle some of the kind of corner cases where it could be a bit challenging? If like, for example, your example, Oh, John can do it in four hours. Cindy can do it in seven. We're going to give it to John. And now Cindy, you know, slowly gets pushed out as an example. I don't know if you've run into that. No, because at the same time, uh, Cindy 
if if it takes uh, seven, seven hours is to her is because probably she's more junior and probably she gets paid less right mm, mm. Uh, interesting so interesting. yeah i mean it's it, it thing has it cons and it, and it pros right mm. so um, it's it's more about our goal is to empower people not to 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 distract right so um uh, our goal is to to give visibility on how you should organize like how should how you should manage your finance your 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 teams and your projects intelligently um without manual efforts we 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 gotta give intelligent suggestions on that and our goal is our end goal is to have people working like like a good work-life balance and better salaries right Right. So if we don't get to that point, we are not accomplishing our our purpose. Interesting. Yeah, because I could also see how you could also use this to assess like, okay, you need to work on these skills or, you know, there's there's a mix. A, a, a good leader and a good boss will look at this as a way to improve the organization by not pigeonholing, but sort of shoring up where they need to go. I mean, that's some of the best bosses I've ever had again, have been do that, right. Mm -hmm. They, they sort of assess the team and say, okay, strengths, weaknesses, let's work on some training. And that's really cool. Cool. Well, so what, what advice would you give the next generation of entrepreneur coming up? I mean, you're relatively young, so like you're like closer to them than I am. (laughs) And you literally flew from South America to here to San Francisco to live your dream, which sounds like you are. So what, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, first of all, think big. It's very important to, to follow you, like to, to be purpose driven. Uh, I, I think that it will, it will let you think more long-term. Uh, but very important thing is to think big. And when you're, when you're thinking, when you think that you're thinking big, you can think even bigger um, then take risks i mean there's no success uh, within your comfort zone so you gotta take risks all the time and it's not that you need to take one risk like to move from argentina to silicon valley and and that's it now you gotta take risks all the time because what you think it's success today then probably you will you'll find out that you accomplished that and there's another success waiting for you uh, around the corner and and uh, not because like you got to be like ambition ambitious on, on the on the on the bad sense of the world i mean you got to always challenge you and at the same time be be grateful with what you have accomplished, right? You gotta, you gotta meditate. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta love and you gotta embrace what you're living. Uh, but it's good to to push yourself forward, right? So think big, take risks, and and then be very persistent, uh, very resilient. You gotta get a lot of no's and 
I don't know what's the current ratio, but probably eight or nine entrepreneurs close their businesses or startups that fail uh, within the first three years. Yeah, right. Eight, uh, eight out of eight out of ten, roughly. Eight out of ten. Yeah, eight out of ten uh, startups fail uh, within the first three years. So, uh, a lot of times, it's easier to close the business rather than to continue. But in this world, there are two kind of entrepreneurs the ones who quit and the ones who don't of course there there will be a time probably that it's better to quit but probably it's not the time you're thinking of right oh yeah um, oh yeah yeah i agree and then for sure and what is key is like hire great people and hire smart people uh, and ask them what would they do uh, what would they do? I mean, you don't hire smart people to, uh, I don't know who was it, like Steve Jobs or uh, who said like, you don't have, you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. You hire smart people to ask them what they, what they would do. Right. right so right, right, right. I think that's very important. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. I mean, there's, there's always that, Oh, you know, when should I quit? And, I always tell people, yeah, push a little harder and then see what happens. Cause usually it's a mental block. I mean, this is from endurance athletics where when you think you can quit, when you think you're giving it your all, you have a lot more, um, your body's yeah. incredibly resilient. It's, it's usually your mind that goes before your body. <laughs> we used to have this one yes. saying is like, you'll pass out before you die. So just don't worry about it. Right. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's what we'll do. <laughs> so Santi, <laughs> we'll end it there. Thanks so much uh, for being on the show. Love what you're doing at core. Um, please, you know, make sure everyone that, that wants to check it out. We'll put links in the show notes for what that's all about, but yeah, thanks again, man. Stay safe. It was great to catch up again. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Santi, for being on the show. It is always a pleasure to have a fellow 500 startup batchy on the podcast. As everyone knows, one of my companies, uh, Labs and Solutions, was batch 14 500 startup. So really super cool. So as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from Santi. Be bold and always take risks. Santi explains that moving to California was a big risk but it was only one of the many he has taken. And a lot of times people get nervous about, oh, you know, if I take a risk and lose my job or I'm going to jump from a good job to a startup or whatever, you know, risk is relative. A lot of people don't really, um, well, I don't think they really truly understand risk and reward. So if you're young, you can take more risks. Obviously, if you're a little older, you can't, but <clears throat> there's also risks in not doing things and not being resilient enough when things do happen. So keep that in mind. Don't give up. Keep pushing even when things get tough. As Santi says, there are only two kinds of entrepreneurs, the ones who quit and the ones that don't. And that's true. It may seem a bit odd and you may have to stop what you're doing and do something else. But if you really want to be an entrepreneur and live the sort of entrepreneur lifestyle or you know, be <clears throat> do this for a living, you need to never quit. And quitting is subjective and relative. Like there's sometimes businesses like they just don't work. 
you put it aside and you go off and do something else. But you're always learning. You're always building your talent stack, your skill stack, which is always important to do. Always think about how to build more capacity for yourself. Appreciate what you have and where you're succeeding, even as you keep striving for more. So you have to be humble and hungry. And it's good to know like what you're good at and how things are working out. Um, but when you do succeed, you know, I wouldn't say rest on your laurels, but you should very much appreciate that and then find the balance that's good for you. In some cases, if you're early in your career, the work-life balance is a little out of whack, but as you get a little older, that may change. So there you have it, some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Santi. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.